0: scripture reading for this morning is from Matthew 26, verses 20 to 30. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed, and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the one by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas who betrayed him said, surely not I rabbi, he replied, you have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God. All right, band, now you can take a break. My fault, my fault. Whew you ever feel, like, not quite comfortable in your own skin yet? Thank you for your patience with me. I am excited to be here. I'm excited. Uh, (laughs) I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited to be doing all of this. Um, It has been an incredible journey, um, I guess pun intended, Uh, (laughs) to get to this point. Um, at licensing school, where they send all the new pastors away for about nine days for training and they teach us you know how to do funerals and how not to mess up somebody's wedding and all the things to say and uh, administration and stuff like that. Um, we found ourselves, um, a bunch of us new pastors sitting around a campfire one night talking about what we're most excited about, things that we really felt called, to do and to um engage in in our new ministry settings and people are going around and say oh i'm really excited to do baptisms or i'm i'm already signed up to marry one of my friends or things like that and it comes around the circle and gets to me and i've been thinking about this for a long 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 time i am most excited about this this table And what happens at this table. I've been thinking about this Sunday and what we could talk about and how we could start this first Sunday in my new role. And I guess the best way for me to share that with you is to share what I'm passionate about, what I feel called to do. And if it was anything, it would be this table. What happens at this table? Getting you to this table, getting this table back out to you and you carrying it back out into the world. That is where my heart is. That's why I decided to go for pastoral ministry instead of just a deacon, because the sacraments of the church, this table being one of them, is huge. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning, and hopefully God will make known what he has called me to do with you through this table. To facilitate that, I'll start with two or three stories, and I'll watch the clock. I feel like I got a lot of time. Uh, but I didn't at 8.30 <laughs> when everything was said and done. But I'll start with three stories um, about my own experiences um, with this table. And hopefully they'll trigger a couple memories with you, um, with your own experiences about encounters you have had with the living God, perhaps also at this table. The first one comes from my childhood. I was about five, six, seven years old. And um, my family went to the small Country Church, Rock Spring United Methodist Church. It's um, My grandparents were married there. My mom was married there. I was married there. Um, it's our little family church out in Nelson County, just down 29 off Route 6. Everything about a little country church you can imagine. The graveyard out behind it. It's got nice pews, a little kneeling rail, and a little choir loft up there. And you guys would have packed the church. <laughs> This would be a, a, a high holy day. This would be like an Easter attendance number, uh, just right here for that small church. And for the most part, my brother and I would sit there on a Sunday morning. Uh, my grandfather would sit next to us, and we would doodle and play tic-tac-toe in the bulletin, um, goof off for the most part. I mean, we were six. And um, he would always wear this green sports jacket. It looked like he just won the Masters. And um, in the little uh, pockets would be filled with candies. And he would pass them to my brother and I. When the offering came around, he would have two crisp dollar bills that we would play with and be able to put into the plate. But he would always give us these candies. Um, Most of the time I remember certs. Do you remember the certs candies? They're like lifesavers, but they were solid all the way through the middle. It was like that little extra bit of mint in the middle. And that's what I remember about those Sundays for the most part except for communion sundays on communion sundays my brother and i we had an agenda the agenda was to make it to communion and as soon as communion started we were like yes church is almost over (laughs) (laughs) because we knew the sermon would be shorter but we were also excited for what happened after the service at that small church um, the altar was way up at the back of the church near this beautiful stained glass window and so the, the the pastor would always come back, and they'd be taking care and saying all these words. And you'd see, you know, like this happening and just things flying around as they're getting stuff ready um, for communion. And then they'd turn around, they'd bring out um, the trays with all the little cups in the circle. And there would be two full trays. And I know there were at least you know, 60 to 80 cups in each tray, but there would be two full of them. Like, if enough people showed up for those cups, we'd be out the door. And so I'm like, I'm, I, as an adult, I look back and I say, man, they were really living into that hopeful spirit. Or they knew what happened afterwards because they would bring down the trays and we'd all kneel at the altar rail and um, there'd be the little holes for the cups to go in when we were done down there and they'd come around with the tray and we'd all take one and I of course would like have an extra moment this one is the most full that one's for me and um, my brother would always um, very anxiously and quickly try and just throw it into his mouth and miss half the time so he would be like like he didn't know how to do it I would watch my grandfather with these big huge monster hands trying to reach in and take out that little plastic cup in with two fingers and and he would take communion and then we'd go back and we'd sit and we'd watch and we were like hawks because we would watch as each cup came out and we would be anxiously awaiting after the service because when the service was over we would run back around to the little kitchen in the back of the church and we would have a little extra feast at the end of the service we'd run back there and we'd be whipping off the top and my brother and I would just be going to town. All of those little cups of juice that were left over, it was ours, it was for us. Any extra bread that was left over, that was our lunch. That tied us over till we got back home. And so that was our little extra feast. And so we were watching to see how many were going to be left. Are there a lot of people here? How many are going to be left? We always wanted to be sure there was enough food for us afterwards. The second story is... Um, when I was in college, um, I've always worked every summer except for this summer. Uh, new job, a new kid kind of prevents me from having a lot of summer plans. At an Episcopal summer camp, Shrine Mont. Um, it's up 81 back towards Orkney Springs. And I did stuff there as a, as a cabin counselor or a music director and things like that, general summer camp. In about 2007, I started uh, working there as a lay chaplain at this Episcopal camp. Basically, it meant I got to do whatever I wanted for a whole day, um, except for that one hour when the kids would come to me for like youth group time and activities. And I would lead them in that. The other responsibilities of the late chaplain included putting together the closing of camp worship service, which always involved um, communion, or as they call it, Eucharist. And so I would pick the hymns and those camp songs we'd sing and scripture, and get the kids together, and they'd organize their little skit that they would do for the sermon portion and things like that. But since I wasn't, and still am not, an Episcopal priest, I had to work with an actual priest to do all of this, to make all of this work. They had to come in. They had to say the words. They had to break it. They had to go through the whole rite and ritual of the Eucharist. And I had to watch, which was fine. No one else was really doing it. But I remember as I was planning the first one, uh, the priest who was doing it with me, she and I were going through. She was like, okay, all right, well, we'll do this, and then you and I can hand out the bread together, and uh, this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. She's like, oh, and you know, what church do you go to? And I said, oh, I'm actually the choir director at Asbury United Methodist Church in Harrisonburg. And she goes, oh, you're Methodist. I said, yeah. And she said, oh, well, you're not really supposed to hand out the bread. You could hold the wine, but you can't hand out the bread. Now, I don't know if that was just a her issue, because every summer after that, I was tossing bread left and right. No one else really had an issue with that. But I guess for her, in that moment, if I wasn't doing the way that she said to do it, if I wasn't part of her group, I couldn't do that. The third story comes from when I was working um, at the Baptist Church. I have a very ecumenical background, by the way, for those who didn't know. Working at the Baptist Church um, as their youth coordinator. And I did that for three years. And communion Sundays were very robotic. It was very, um, the pastors come to the table. They pick up the trays. They hand them out to the deacons who sat on the front row. The deacons then walk them back each aisle. The trays were passed down the aisle. We sat there for an eternity, holding, I mean, everyone's starving, but we're holding the bread, and we're holding the little cup of juice again, and we're waiting for everyone in the church to get theirs before we eat it. And so I got really good at making shapes with my (laughs) hands with the bread and bunching it up and holding it, and I was really worried about spilling the juice when it came around. But, I mean, there's like 275 people that were waiting to all get their stuff before we could consume it together at the same time. I mean, I get that. That sounds sounds nice. Um, but as I did that job, I became very troubled. and My heart started to pull every time we had communion because I was watch as these kids I worked with who had not yet been baptized in the Baptist church had to pass communion right past them. The bread would come by, the wine would come by, and they had to pass that train. It was as if the body of Christ was not for them and passed right over. Because in that Baptist tradition, you had to be baptized before you could take communion. And so I watched as that tray went by them. And it's almost like God's grace and who Jesus is and everything he said he was, was not for them, not yet anyways. They had to do something else first. They had to be right. They had to do all of this before they could take communion. And it pulled and it pulled and it pulled. That's why one of the first Sundays here, when we had the children used to come have children's time and go to Sunday school, and I said, "Oh no, no, no!" And we switched our worship service, and you guys were very gracious in that, in allowing the children to come and have access to this table too before they run off to Sunday school. Because all means all. And as we heard in our scripture today, and some of the things I want to, I, I want to. Hopefully, think that God wants to make clear this morning is that this table is for everyone. That's what that's what makes my heart sing. That's what gives me joy is to know that this grace and this holiness is for everyone. We heard in the scripture this morning that Jesus was preparing for the Passover and he sent uh, a couple of disciples ahead of him. He said, "Go and prepare, make preparations, get it ready, because this is going to be a party." We are ready to celebrate the Passover, celebrating that God has pulled us out of Egypt, that the spirit of death passed over his people, sacrifice of the lamb, the blood over the doors, and they were spared back from Egypt. And so they were going to celebrate that. And they were prepared and they were ready. And they come in and they're eating their meal and they're going through it and everything's going great. And then Jesus gets weird. Jesus starts saying some crazy stuff. Jesus probably had to look in there and go, everyone, shush, be quiet. Listen to this. This is my body. Eat it. This is my blood. Drink it. And everyone's going, what? And he passes it down. What we now see in hindsight, they had no idea of at the time. But Jesus was foreshadowing the crucifixion. He was foreshadowing his death. And they weren't ready for that. They were still all riled up about who was going to betray who and who's not doing the right thing. Jesus, come in. You're going to betray me. Judas, me? Yes, you. But take and eat it anyways. There are four accounts of this pretty close to it. We heard Matthew this morning. Mark also gives a very similar account that Jesus is calling out to the people beforehand. You're going to betray me. You're going to betray me. You're going to deny me. And then they had the meal. In the Gospel of Luke, it's reversed. They have the whole meal first, and then Jesus says, Oh, you'll betray me, you'll betray me, you'll deny me. And in John, John incorporates the foot washing into that. And there are some key phrases to all of this that I think are super-duper important. And uh, that's really the biggest one right there. Jesus, in the midst of this meal, in the midst of this... um, foreshadowing and the telling and the inviting in he takes the bread and he blesses it breaks it hands it out and he says eat it and they all do it and they all eat it and i always imagine the scene playing out because if they've already had this conversation you know i never really know what jesus knows when he knows it or how how much in, in advance he's aware of what's going on but At this moment, if they've already had it out, if they've already had their argument, Jesus is looking down the table and he knows that he is sitting at a table of flawed people. People he considered to be his closest friends that are just going to completely disown him. And he still goes through with this and he still does all of this. Even in the midst of that, not knowing they don't know what's going to happen, but if he knows it, he's looking down and he says, take and eat, eat this. This is my body, broken. For, and they're all on one side of the table. Remember, so it only goes this way. But he says, "Take and eat this." And then he picks up the cup and he blesses it and passes out. And he says, "Drink it." And the tr- cup goes around, and I can see, I can see it in my head. I can see the cup in front of Peter. I can see the cup in front of Thomas, who would doubt them. I can see the cup in front of Judas. And the most grammatical. Note of importance, the thing that requires the biggest footnote, perhaps, is that little comma. Drink from it. All of you. There is no scripture verse that says Jesus excluded this person. Jesus said no. Drink from it. Looking down the table. In your weakness, in your betrayal, in your denial, my body and blood is still for you. It is never too late. All of you. Mark confirms this in his gospel. Jesus is passing it out, the bread, and Mark reads, and they all ate it. As I said, Luke puts the meal before those heavy conversations so it's presumed that everyone was part of that meal. There is no verse that says Jesus gave it to everyone except for Judas. There's not even a verse that says when Judas left and Judas stormed off, flipping over chairs and turning over tables on his way out. It's not there. In fact, even in the Gospel of John with the foot washing, Jesus is going to wash Peter's feet. And Peter says, no, Lord, don't do that. And Jesus says, close your mouth. Because unless I wash you, you have no share with me. And Jesus washed the disciples' feet. All of them. All were washed. All were. In fact, I think it's Luke even goes or John is it John that goes on to say that it wasn't until after he took the bread that Satan entered into Judas. It was after that fact. So before that mistake, even before that sin, God's grace is freely being extended into that moment. And that's when all of these things, if you leave here with knowing nothing else, it's that all means all. Jesus made that abundantly clear. Before we mess up, this is for you. In the midst of our sin and mistakes, this is for you. And even after the fact, this is for you. So as we come to the table this morning, I want you to think about that. What are your past experiences with this table? Methodists practiced an open table. John Wesley believed this was a converting experience. When you encounter Christ, as he was showing his disciples, they didn't understand it, but he was showing them the crucifixion. This is the table of the crucifixion. It's not just some last meal that they were having and Jesus starts saying stuff. This is Jesus Christ crucified. This is the meal of salvation the bread of reconciliation, the wine of redemption through which we are made whole and clean and glorified before God. That's what this table is about. So whether you come here as a child who's just excited to eat something or whether you've been passed by or whether you've been denied an opportunity to have it, this don't feel that this morning. This is for you. Jesus made very clear that His grace and His mercy and His love and His glory is free and open to all. This morning, I have the actual. We're going to do communion in different. I have the liturgy that we will follow because I want you to be able to see it and read it with us. The first thing we say: Christ invites to His table all who. Blah, 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 blah. So as we come together this morning, take that time. Is this a ritual that the church just does? Maybe. Is it just a nice little meal that we do? Does it have significance? Or potentially, is this a place be to come and kneel before the cross and say, I need that. I, I need that. That's what this meal is about. So, let's eat. Zach's going to come.